Hey everybody, welcome to episode two of MMA Talk. This uh, this time you just get me and Joel. How you doing, Joel? I'm fantastic. How are you today, Dave? Good. Unfortunately, Lane got um, mandatory held over at work. Oh, okay. <laughs> a little bit of the firefighter life. Uh, yeah, a little bit of the firefighter life, and he's not a firefighter, so yeah, he got he got held. He had some stuff thrown on his plate that he uh, he couldn't leave work for, so unfortunately he couldn't join us. So we're going to have to find a better day and we can get Lane on. Okay. All right. We'll look forward to that then. All right. So we haven't done this uh, since September, so it's been a minute. There's been a lot of stuff that's happened. Um, I know the biggest thing for me that I've been – looking at is the Makachev fight with Oliveira. That was a, a big one in the time that we haven't talked. Yeah, that's a big one that I was excited for. And honestly, I'm a fan of both of them, but the outcome wasn't exactly what I was hoping for. Uh, Oliveira, like to me, when I watched it, it seemed like he just got dominated um, throughout the fight. And there weren't a lot of uh, exciting parts where it looked like he was gonna come out with something or pull something out of his hat like he has in in his past fights now I didn't hear anything like he didn't have a I didn't hear anything like problem weight cuts or anything like that did you no no it sounded like they were both healthy and had good camps and um, the only thing that was interesting and I never followed up with it so I don't know what happened was uh, Initially, he had been planning to go out there to Abu Dhabi or wherever they were fighting um, three weeks in advance, maybe to adjust to the climate. And for whatever reason, he, him and his team didn't make it out there that early. So I know that seemed like a big factor for some other fighters. Um, remember on that card with uh, Dustin Poirier and uh, Khabib? Um, that seemed yeah. like a big factor fighting in that heat. So, But, I mean, Brazil's probably pretty hot, too. So I don't know. And and humid, whereas Abu Dhabi would just be hot and dry. Yeah, yeah. But he looked. And there out. is there, there is a big difference between hot and dry and hot and humid. You know. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. But. Now, do they fight outdoor? Uh, no. But I think that arena is hot. I think everyone talks about it, um, unless they change something from the past times they fought there. I, I think it was okay. 90 or 100 degrees something insane like that <laughs> holy cow that's crazy yeah yeah and, and um uh, as you know i just uh re-watched the fight before we went live here and a couple of things that i noted was i don't think i've ever seen two fighters shake hands and hug during their entry into the ring. Yeah. That like when Oliveira came in and he started to go around the ring, he stopped in front of Makachev and, and they shook hands and hugged. So I found that to be quite interesting and refreshing at the same time. Yeah, that was a, that was interesting. I wasn't expecting that. Um, no, for sure. Now, 
my business. <laughs> <laughs> I agree that um, it looked like Oliveira got dominated pretty handily, and he had a three and a half inch reach advantage. I love the little stats they put up. You know, the fighter comparison right as the fight's getting ready to start. And I saw that Oliveira had a 74-inch reach. Makachev a 70.5. And I'm like, mm, that's pretty significant. Yeah, and he's a pretty good boxer now. So I figured maybe he'd be able to take advantage of that. Um, I remember something Chuck Liddell said way back in the day. He said that, like, there wasn't, and maybe it's changed since then, but he said there wasn't any standardization when they were doing the reach. So they measured the reach just by putting your arms out. And... Uh, some people would tell you to extend your fingers. Some people would tell you to have it in a fist. And uh, Chuck Liddell always thought it was funny that his reach on his stats was so short when in reality his reach was like four or six inches longer than what it said on his stats. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, that's, yeah. Hmm. And I guess they measure it like boxers, you know. So they just started doing leg length so which is interesting as well oh yeah i hadn't noticed that one yet and i also thought it was interesting that when makachev was introduced i knew he was a sambo fighter i didn't realize he was the world and european champion oh yeah i think multiple times um and it's funny i feel like you hear this from a lot of sambo people is they don't have a great deal of respect for like black belts and not in a negative way it's just like they they hear black belt and they think to themselves oh black belt from who um he mm. was he was talking to cormier actually beforehand and cormier had mentioned it, it might have been Oliveira or somebody else but mentioned that they were a black belt and asked him if he wasn't or if he was concerned about that and Makachev did like had a similar reaction to what Khabib would have if you asked him a black about a black belt. He just kind of looked at him like black belt, really? Is this is this a black belt? <laughs> <laughs> now I wish Lane was on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know he they mentioned that Oliveira was a a BJJ black belt, but even then, um, that that was all that they they had. And I'm like, uh, this guy's already a Sambo world champ, so he's not, the pressure's not going to bother him. So that's not, that's not going to be an issue. And I found it interesting that Makachev was a minus 195 favorite. Yeah, I was surprised by that too. Um, I, I think that's pretty significant considering Oliveira was the champ and didn't lose the title. You know, he just... He lost it by weight. Exactly. Yeah, and, and Makachev has never stood out in his striking. Although, like, if you watch his fights, he's clearly been improving in his striking. Um, so I just thought there was a lot more opportunity for um, for oh man, blanking hard on his name for Oliveira to have taken the fight in a lot of different directions where he would have been better. Um, and, and something interesting about Makachev is as soon as he knocked him down or got him on the ground, he he entered that that zone. He went down there to 
to attack him in uh, wrestling and jiu-jitsu, whereas every other fighter, when you saw them knock him down, because he, he got knocked down in, like, all of his last three fights, right? Um, yeah. Everyone would just let him stand up. So that was interesting to see that Makachev didn't hesitate at all. He jumped on him immediately. Yeah, and, and I found that interesting because I watched um, a little 10-minute blurb from Chael Sonnen saying he brought that point up before the fight. He said that Oliveira had been knocked down in his last three fights. And it's funny. It's like I feel like Oliveira lost the first three rounds of those three fights. Yeah. The first round of each of those. And then came back and dominated in the second, you know, until he finished the fight whenever it was. Yep. Um, But Chael pointed out that Makachev said if he knocks him down, he's not letting him up. He's going to follow him down and grapple with him. And Son- uh, Chael was like, you know, if he does that, he might be the guy to finish this fight. Yeah. So, and every single time he did, sure enough, he followed him down. So what did you think of the stand-up, though? Uh, Makachev surprised me. Um, but he also, I think he looks a little bit better every time he, he's, he's fought. Um, and he, to me, followed the same trajectory as, uh, as Khabib just, you know, started off with seemingly like almost no striking skills, even though they're both Sambo guys, um, but improved a lot in between each fight. So I'm curious who they train with down there in their gym on the striking. Yeah, I feel like Islam is farther ahead of where Khabib was. I feel like Islam is now where Khabib was at the end of his career. Okay, yeah, I can see that, yeah. Because I didn't feel like Khabib had any game other than, you know, maybe maybe throw his arms. Here, I'm going to throw my arms at you, and then I'm just going to take you down, and then you, you can't get up. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because a lot of people come in with that strategy, but nobody's been able to do it like Khabib or Makachev. So it'll be interesting yeah. with that new guy. Who's the new guy at uh, 170 or 185? He was on Dana Shemayev? White. No, he was on... Uh, oh, no, no. Oh, the wrestler. Yeah, yeah. Bo something. Uh, Bo Nickel, right? There you go. Bo Nichols, yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see uh, what he does because obviously he's very talented grappler. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, other than maybe your Daniel Cormier or your Henry Cejudo's nobody, um, and Randy Couture back in the day, mm-hmm. but really there's nobody right now active in the UFC that has his wrestling acumen. Yeah. Three-time NCAA champ. Mm, nope. That's, yeah. it's going to be very impressive. I mean, there's more to fighting, though. I think Khabib was one of those unique ones where he was able to use his grappling to get where he wanted to be and brought the other aspects of his game up to par. Because, I mean, look, I feel like he won the stand-up against Connor. Yeah. Yeah, in a couple of the rounds, definitely. Yeah. And I would have never... The first however many fights Khabib fought, I was like, this dude has zero stand-up. Yeah. That's why I think Al Iaquinta was able to go five rounds with him. He was he had the stamina 
and just enough grappling to be able to survive Khabib. <laughs> but later in the rounds, when it was more of a stand-up fair, I, th I felt Iaquinta was beating Khabib on the feet. Yeah, that was an exciting fight. Um... <laughs> There's an answer written up there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I can see you looking like, ah, the wheels are turning, but nothing's coming out. <laughs> yeah. No, I was thinking of something while you were talking, but it, I was being a good listener and actually listening instead of thinking about. <laughs> and you lose was, your train of thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm excited to see who, who he'll fight next. Um, I'd like to see him fight everyone. And it sounds like he wants to be very active. Um, so that'll be great. And obviously the Volkanovsky fight. That's probably at the top of my list. Uh, I'd love to see him fight Poirier and um, definitely Gaethje. Um, well, I thought the Volkanovsky fight was next. Yeah, I think that's what they both want. And I saw something from him earlier, actually just a couple of days ago, something about January or February. Um, right. But it was also, it wasn't like, him saying it's on for January or February is something more along the lines of we both want this for January or February. UFC, please stop messing around and make sure we make this fight. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to see if I can find something now. Um, is that the one you'd be most interested in seeing also? I, I think so. So right now... This was, when was, let me check the date on this. Uh, three hours ago? Okay. 10.24 a.m. Um, according to Volkanovsky, this was on ESPN, their uh, staff writer, Mark Rimondi. Um, I don't have the audio going, but he's interviewing Volkanovsky and he's saying it's close for UFC 284, I guess. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, 281 is this weekend. Wow. And apparently I was, um, I've been hearing he wants, Volkanovsky wants McGregor. Oh, okay. But the only reason is it's, it's not, it's not necessarily for the fame or the name of the fight. It's he's beaten every other champion of that division other than McGregor. He hasn't had a chance to fight him. Oh, that's so he, he wants to be the guy to be able to say, I beat every single past champion of this division. I like that. I like that. Cause yeah. there's a lot of divisions where somebody has left or some weird circumstances have caused a change in the belt. It's nice to see like, one division where you know who who the champ is and they cleared out cleared out everybody kind of like nunez did you know yep exactly so so that would be interesting if they actually um and that would be february 12th in perth australia because i know they did mention that initially yeah yeah that'd be awesome that would be that would be a good fight I don't know, though, if it gets me as excited as Makachev and Oliveira. I felt like that was just a dynamic fight where both of them have good grappling, both of them have good stand-up, 
So it didn't matter where it would go, it's going to be a heck of a fight. Yeah, it was one of those ones where you didn't know which way it would go. Like, if it, if it stood standing, you didn't really know. You kind of expected Oliveira to have a little advantage there. And then if it went to the ground, it was kind of... It was like that dream of seeing Tony Ferguson versus Khabib, where you had a dominant top guy and then somebody who was supposed to be very good on the bottom, but then we found out from later fights how that would have gone. Um, so seeing right. Makhachev and Oliveira both in their prime fighting was very exciting to see. And I hope they fight again, because uh, they could fight ten times, and I'll watch it every time, just kind of hoping. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why. I like Makachev, but there's something about... I always like to root against him and Khabib. <laughs> Even though I love them. <laughs> Very interesting. Neither one of them are American, so it doesn't matter to me. I just want a good fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, very, very interesting. Yeah. I, I, I even feel like, you know, whenever Oliveira fought, whether it was Gagey or anybody, and like, okay, he's fighting Gagey and Poya. You're like, all right, on the feet, I give them the advantage over Oliveira. Absolutely. But you're like, if he gets it to the ground, it, it, there's no contest. But going back again to Oliveira and Makachev, it's like, okay, I give them almost even on feet, even on the ground. This is going to be a heck of a... But it wasn't even on the ground. Holy cow. Yeah. Makachev, after he knocked him down in that second round, he just... He, he literally choked the life out of him. Yeah, and quickly. There was no messing mm -hmm. around. Man, he locked that thing in tight, and it was over quick. You know something I like about Makachev and the future of that division is, other than Oliveira, I feel like he didn't fight the top killers in that division. So there's a lot of like really great fights left for him. Like uh, Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler and Gaethje. Uh, yeah. Who's the guy who keeps missing out on title fights? Uh, Benil Dariush. Benil Dariush was on that same card, right? Wasn't he? He was, and he had a strong finish. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he's a funny guy because when I watch him, I do think he's one of the top guys. But he always looks beatable to me. Like, I don't see him at the same level as the top four. Um, but then he looks good uh, in, his, in his finishes. So I'd like to see him fight one of those top guys. I, I would, too. I think, um, I, I, I think that would be good, fresh blood for that top five as well. But I agree with you. I'm like, he goes in and I don't, he's not underwhelming. He's not overwhelming. But he always wins. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, I think, yeah, Balil Muhammad is another one who I think is in almost in that same. I think Dariush is a little better, but he's still in that. He's improving. He's getting better, always winning. You, you know, sometimes yeah. I'm like, ah, he's, Bilal's not going to win today. But <laughs> lo and behold, he, he finds a way and he always wins. So, yeah. Yeah. He's had some, recently some really big wins against yeah. people like you said that i thought oh he this guy's gonna get him <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. As a matter of fact, um, they, I think they were both on that card. Bilal Muhammad defeats Sean Brady by TKO at 447 via strikes. 447 oh, yeah. Of round that was a two. Big match. Yeah. So, and Sean Brady was unbeaten, so. And he had looked good. He had beaten some good people, too. I, he was yeah. he's one of those guys that like I know who he is when I see his highlight reel, but other than that, I I kind of, he falls off the radar for me. Sean Brady. I, I had okay. when I saw that he was fighting, and uh, I think he was a a favorite to win that match. Oh, interesting. Again, it goes like, oh, Bilal's not going to win this one, and lo and behold, he wins. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> now. Uh, yeah, Dariush won by unanimous decision. Looks like he, he was 30-27, 30-27, and the third judge called it a split with 29-28. So, okay. Yeah, it was it was a good, another good fight. Um, now, what did you think of the Sean Malley-Peter Yan? Ooh, that was tough. I thought Peter Yan had won, but it was also one of those fights where Maybe there was one round that I could have told you I was sure who won the round, and it, it was right. a, it was a round that Toss up. won, yeah. Um, and I think that was only a three round fight, right? So it would yes. have been interesting to see them go five rounds, but that's great to me because he's the best fighter that Sean O'Malley has fought. We t I think we talked about it beforehand that it seemed like a huge jump up in the competition. Yeah. And I was worried that it might be too much, but he looked good and and now I'm ready to see him fight whoever. Fight for the belt or um fight Cheeto Vera again cuz Cheeto Vera looks has looked amazing in his recent fights. So I'd either like to see them fight or see both of them fight for the uh championship. I think I think Cheeto Vera might have mentioned something about fighting for an interim belt. He'd like to see that happen because Aljamain Sterling is kind of a bigger guy and cuts a lot of weight to get down to 135. Um, and he was suggesting they do a do that, do an interim belt, and then whoever wins face Aljamain Sterling down the road so Sterling can have a little break. Okay, I was going to say, I, I'm not aware of Aljamain being injured or anything. I mean, he made quick work of um, Dillashaw, so... yeah. Yeah, that was kind of ugly. That's a, I, I'm on the fence because I'm glad that they fought, but obviously it wasn't really a fight. So, no, the right thing to do probably would have been to have told somebody about his injury ahead of time, and probably not have had that fight go through, and then somebody else could have fought Sterling, uh, in a more. <clears throat> but like that was one of the fights I was most interested in watching until the first round when you saw his. Uh, shoulder pop out immediately. Yeah, that that pretty much ruined the fight right there. If you ask yeah. me, so I, I was I really wanted to see Dillashaw kind of push the pace on the feet, and then you know make Aljamain um, defend the takedown and see what happened. Because I, I I wouldn't have expected it to finish in the first round. So keep pushing the pace and and see how Aljamain handled all of that. Yeah. Round two, round three, whatever. 
I mean, who knows? Maybe Aljamain would have caught him anyway, or maybe he would have been able to reverse a takedown and take his back and finish the fight. Who knows? But like you said, it really wasn't a fight. So Yeah. And that's the worst part to me about that is that seems like a one of those injuries that people never really come back from because they're just so prone to re-injuring it. Um, there was a guy that fought Nate Diaz for the Ultimate Fighting Championship, uh, uh, sorry, Ultimate Fighter finale. I can't remember, I think his name was, uh, I'll think of it later. But he, he was a great fighter, exciting to watch, um, and he had the same thing, his shoulder popped out, and then you never really saw him <clears throat> do anything interesting after that. Yeah, that's one of those joints that it's really hard to surgically repair to the point where it doesn't pop back out on you, you know? Yeah, and especially in fighting, there's so many times you're in positions where it's putting stress at a weird angle in that socket. Like, it's just hard to imagine it not being something that always pops out once it once it finds a tendency to do that. Yeah, absolutely. There, there are just certain injuries that aren't conducive to MMA, you know? Yeah. It was like, it reminds me of Tony Romo when he kept breaking his collarbone. <laughs> yeah, he'd break it, he'd come back, he'd heal and everything. He gets, you know, a, a defensive player would sack him and land on top of him and flatten his shoulders into the ground and snap, there it goes again. So, yeah. oop, there it goes. <laughs> so... That's, That's what it reminds me of. I mean, he's going to have the same issue. You know, it's always going to be a problem. Yeah. And it, the worst, another terrible thing about it is it's not something that happens just in a fight. Like, it's going to be something he'll be worried about all throughout any training camp he's doing. And who knows what that takes away from, like, the intensity of his training and or the focus of his training. So. Yeah. Hard to imagine Absolutely. him coming back and making his way to the top again. Yeah, I don't. I I think his time is over. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to look through the rest of the. Um, now there was. I'm looking down here because you have. I believe it was Khabib's cousin, Abubakar. Oh yeah, Abubakar. Yeah, and but was it Shemaev who had a tussle in the stands with some of the people from? Khabib's? Yes, it was, uh, yeah, it was Chimaev. Yeah, uh, I saw a I video thought, yeah. a couple days later, though. It was something arranged by Khabib. Did you see that video? Like, where they all got together no. talking? Uh, yeah, they, they all got together and talked in front of the camera, the the whole team, Chimaev, oh. everybody. And it, I, I guess their whole, the whole point of their thing was that they didn't want to cast uh, Islam in a, a negative light. So they, they tried to get together and say, you know, we're fighters, but we're not like animals that attack each other in the stands, something like that. Um, and poor Chimai okay. stood there the whole time and nodded. And But uh, it was nice to see that they buried the hatchet real quick. Okay. Hmm, that's very intriguing. Mm-hmm. So Chimaev went along with it, but, you know, okay. I mean, look, it, even in the same family, people fight, so it is what yeah, it yeah. is. 
So at least it didn't turn into a Khabib Connor chairs going through bus windows and all that other nonsense. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, so Jemaya, I wanted to one of those guys. He's interesting. He's seems to get into a tussle with yes. somebody in every single event. <laughs> and I, I wish Lane was on here because I was going to bring up the weight classes again. I still think. 165, 75, 85, 95, 205 is a better deal. And Chimaev is one of those guys who would do better at 175 than 170. Okay. Yes. Just absolutely. because he's so big, yeah. has such a hard time cutting, getting down to 170. You got once, I really think changing those weight classes may, would make a big difference. Yeah, with some of these guys. Because he's, I, I think he's definitely over two hundred before he starts cutting, um, and he's even said that he wants to fight at one eighty five, but he trusts his team, and he his team wants him to get the championship at one seventy before he moves on to another division. Um, but I know if it was up to him, just him, I'm sure he'd be fighting at one eighty five instead. Huh. I wonder if he'd still feel that way if there was a 175 weight class. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he'd want them all. <laughs> you know what? Makachev said that, too. He uh, he said he's interested in moving up. So that, that'll be interesting. There's a lot of great matches at 170 also. That would be. Yeah. And McGregor, there are. I, I, and again... McGregor said that. Yeah, I don't know if McGregor. I don't. Okay. Yeah, I I don't see Volkanovski and McGregor fighting unless Volkanovski goes up multiple weight classes because McGregor's just not that small anymore. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and Makachev he doesn't look very small either. He he looks like a big one fifty five er. So I'm sure he won't have any problem at one. He does. But he didn't look like he had to cut so much weight that he was gaunt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he does a good job. It, it looks like, like a good It looks like a good weight class for him. Yep. Especially to not be undersized since everyone's playing the same game of cutting a bunch of weight. I, I'm, I'm a fan yep. of those fighters who don't cut a lot. Like, I, I think Gaethje, I don't think he cuts much. Um. Oh, who, who's the big heel at 170? I'm blanking on his name. Kamari? Uh, you know, he, he wears the uh, the MAGA hat and tries to piss everybody off. Oh, was it Covington? Yeah, Covington. Covington yeah, I, I like that about Covington, that he doesn't cut a lot of weight to, to fly. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I think he cuts maybe like 10 I'm, pounds. I'm... I'm going to talk about um, commentators real quick, and then I want to go, we can't forget, I'm going to go back to that whole not cutting weight much. Okay. Um, three, three commentators. I really like how Bisping does the, like, fight night stuff. Yep. I like, I like to watch Shale's breakdown um, of fighters before they fight. Yes. I think that's 
good. It's enjoyable. But I think Cormier right now is probably the best commentator and probably my favorite watching big fights. I feel he really kind of, I, I, I don't, I don't know. He kind of brings you in, not just explains it, but he kind of brings you into the action. Yeah. It's exactly. very good. Yeah, I think I've thought about it before and what it is about him that I like versus some other broadcasters who seem to do like a really great analysis, but for whatever reason, I'm just not really as interested in what they say. And uh, I think it's that he has like a fun personality. Like he seems like a person you'd like to hang out with. And then he has the analysis on top of that and also the personal experience being a champion in different weight divisions and all of that. Yeah. He's a fun person to watch and listen to. Yeah, I I think his... um... The chemistry between him and Joe Rogan is very good too. So yeah. it really, when those two call fights together, it's really enhanced. Yep. Yeah, that's the dream team right there. Get those two and then whoever the third person is, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, you can almost mute. You can almost mute their mic though. Whoever. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually John Anik, right? That poor guy. <laughs> yeah, it is. I know. It's like, who is this guy again? now have you do you ever listen to joe rogan his podcast oh yeah 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 and he he has a lot of interesting people so and they go off on a lot of interesting topics so i like to listen to them they do and uh occasionally if there's like you hear oh go ahead have you have you heard the um the most recent interview he did with uh, Mighty Mouse, Demetrius Johnson. No, no, but I had it on my list of things to watch. You definitely need to because they talk about weight cutting, in particular um, one FC and and how they do it because they they have a limit to how much you can cut. Mm-hmm. So it's surprising. They, they, it's all based on your analysis. Oh, really? Okay. Wow. Yeah. It's surprising. It's all based on your analysis. Like, the commissions here make so many rules about silly things like the the 12 to 6 elbow and uh, other other weird rules like that to try to protect fighters. It's funny that no one's ever brought up anything like that, like putting a limit on how much people can cut. Because it seems like there's no limit now. They just, if you're cutting and you start to have, like, you're about to die, then they say, okay, you can't cut any more weight. Right. I mean, like, Pereira is cutting 40 pounds or cut 40 pounds for his fight tomorrow with Izzy. So it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We talked Um, about him before. I never realized how big he was until I saw him in a video outside of, like, a training camp. It's like, holy cow. No wonder he can hit so hard. (laughs) Dude, he, when I saw those pictures of him standing beside the light heavyweights, I'm like, that's crazy. He's a legit heavyweight fighting middleweight. That's crazy. Yeah. And that, that's another thing that would be interesting, too, to see him maybe move up in weight because he's obviously very skilled in one aspect of MMA. Um, there would be a lot of interesting fights to see him at, at 205. 
there would be. And I'm going to, I'm going to get to that. I want to hold that stuff for later. Um, I want to get back to mighty mouse real quick, but he was saying he doesn't cut that much weight. Like he walks around around 140, 142. So he's not cutting that much weight to get down either. Yeah, he's, he's always in shape, always training. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. He's, he's in uh, great shape. It looks like he's pretty low body fat, so he probably just sweats out a little bit of water and is at 125 pretty easily. Yeah, he, he's saying he only has three or four more fights, and he's done. Oh, okay. And he's staying where he's at in one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. How do you feel it was about... interesting, too. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, how do you feel about the uh, the unique matches they have in 1FC? Like, they start one round MMA, one round kickboxing, or one round jiu-jitsu, one round MMA. What do you think about those? I think it's interesting. Um, and DJ goes into that in the podcast episode with Joe. He talks about how um, they approached him about that fight. And he was like, I don't care how we do it. We, we can do kickboxing first, you know, Muay Thai, and then MMA the second round. He says, all I have to do is survive the first round. And everybody's like, yeah, just, you know, stay away. And he's like, no, I'm going to throw. Uh-huh. So he went, he went in there like, no, I'm, I'm going to throw punches. If I get knocked out, so what? I get knocked out. I don't care. <laughs> It was, it was actually pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember watching that fight because uh, I don't know much about kickboxing, but I had heard of the guy who was fighting, probably from Joe Rogan, who said that he's the best kickboxer of all time. So that was an interesting matchup and interesting to see that he went in there. Um, and you're right, I think when I watched it, I don't think he was avoiding the fight that much. Uh, in the first round, he was he was standing there and trading just like he does in all his normal matches. Yeah. So, yeah, he stood there and, and, and fought. And he talked about uh, how him and Cejudo are friends. They visit each other. They talk training. They do stuff. But he also said how they're complete opposites. <laughs> Where... Cejudo, Cejudo comes up with a game plan, and he is very disciplined. He will not do anything outside of that game plan, period. Okay. And it's interesting because uh, DJ talks about that, too, and, and how Cejudo's like, if he starts getting off of his game plan, he has ways to get him to get his mind back on track and get back on his game plan. Whereas DJ's more fly by the seat of your pants. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And, you know, I'm going to try to stress the guy. I'm going to put pressure on him, and I'm going to do this. Complete opposites. That reminds me, uh, did you see that, like, short documentary on Mighty Mouse? Um, I think it was called The Man the UFC Tried to Erase. I've heard of it, but I did not see it. Okay, it's really good, but uh, there there are a lot of things. And if you watch the podcast with Joe Rogan, I'm sure they talked about it, but there's a lot of stuff about Mighty Mouse that I didn't know about him. 
and it's interesting that he's uh he's another another one of those people that I've always respected and liked to watch fight but fight but I always for some reason just rooted it against him um but after watching that and learning about his background I became a fan so I'd, I'd like to see him win interesting <laughs> So why why did you uh, root against DJ? I don't know anybody who roots against DJ. How does that happen? <laughs> well, when he first became champ, there was a long stretch where they'd had they would have their five round fights, and it always went to decision. And I'm at times I'm a fickle fan, and I want to see finishes I, I just want okay i want a submission i want a knockout um and then what's funny is then he went on a streak of finishing people and i still i i still like hung on to that wanting to see the the king fall from from his pedestal kind of <laughs> kind of ideal and then like the henry cejudo fight i i couldn't have been more excited it was uh because it, it, to me it was unexpected even though henry, henry cejudo was a good fighter like when you're watching it, it was kind of like uh, watching um, uh, watching the lioness lose that lose that fight. Uh, it, like you, you just didn't expect it, and then and you're watching it, you can't believe what's happening, and and then it's over. Yeah, I I kind of felt that fight could have gone either way. I didn't. I don't know that I felt Cejudo really. You know, it's all there. The, the statement is always the champion, I mean, the challenger has to take the belt away from the champion. Yes. And I didn't, I really didn't feel like Cejudo had done that, but I also didn't argue the decision because I felt like it really could have gone either way, you know? Yeah, that's how I felt too. Like when I was watching it, I wasn't sure who was winning the rounds. Um, and I think the commentators said this too is, at the time, I think they said he might have just won this, and that's how I was thinking too. He might have, and then the score yeah. came out, and he had. So it was exciting. Yeah, it, and they talked about um, you know why he left the UFC and all of that. So you should go and and listen to that episode. It's very good, I, and I'm finding that. Listening to, to Joe interview these fighters, some of them that I don't care for, like I, I've never been an Usman fan. Uh -huh. How, however, listening to that episode and just hearing him talk and and stuff, he actually made me a fan. Yeah, so, I found that with everyone that I've not been a big fan of that I watch on the Joe Rogan experience, and it, it's probably just because you get to know more about them and. People are, are interesting when you could take it yeah. with anybody and learn about their life and find out a bunch of interesting things that make you feel more, maybe more attached to them, but then also a bigger fan. Like Aljermaine Sterling, I, I always kind of hated him. I, I didn't like his fighting style. And then I saw him on the Joe Rogan podcast and same thing. You learn about them and uh, hear them talk and it's like, wow, you know what? This is just a normal person, you know? I can root for this person as much as yeah. anybody I think I, I've never been a fan of Al Jermaine's. I'm, I've also not been someone who's like, oh, I want to see him lose either. Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely respect the fact that, you know, he's always looking to finish people. 
Yeah. So I, I respect that he's always trying. So I'm like, okay, I'll watch his fights because he's trying to finish it and not just grapple somebody to death, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It, when we were talking about uh, Khabib and Makachev earlier, that's one of the things I was thinking about. And when they first started, especially Khabib, he was one of those guys yeah. that like, walked you down and tried to reach out and just try to get a hold of you. And yeah. uh, that was something I wasn't a fan of. Um, but as it went on, they became active grapplers. So they didn't just get you down and and hold you down and try to get yes. into a better position. Like They, they would hit you a lot while you yes. were in a position. And that, that makes it exciting to watch versus some of the wrestlers, even some of the top people, uh, like in the top 15 and in, in several divisions are still that kind of grappling style where they just try to get a hand on you and it's really, or push you up against the fence and hold you against the fence for four minutes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, those are the ones I can't, I, I always root against them because I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. So... You know, Joe's always talking about why does it have to be in a cage? Why not just be an open space? Then you wouldn't have the cage to do that stuff with, and it, it would ch change the entire dynamic of the fight. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Maybe you'd have that, like, karate stage that's flat and then, like, goes up at the end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. Um, was there any other major fight i can't think of any that i think that that was the biggest card since the last time me you and and lane were talking um, yeah it definitely was i remember there were a couple big fights that i was excited about in between there um oh diaz and ferguson was that was that after the last time we we talked? I, I think it was. It was, uh, that was the whole fiasco with swapping all the fights around because of the weight issue with Chemayev. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Walker was on that one. I, I like Johnny Walker, and he finally got a win. I don't know how many losses he had in a row up to that point. So that, that was something I was happy about. Um, you know what, actually, I think this, I think that fight, I think that card was before the last time we talked. Was it? Okay. I don't remember if we did or not. I know that, um, oh yeah, I think you're right. That was September 10th and we definitely talked after that. Okay. So there's been one, two three fight nights, which I didn't think there were four fight nights, which I didn't think it were anything spectacular. Um, and then the one pay-per-view. So, okay. Yeah. Cause I think we even talked gone and Tui Vasa as well. Yep. Yep. That was a good one. That was a good one. All right. So tomorrow is the big one. Yeah. You know, I, so I want it. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I, I was gonna say, uh, I, I watched the 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 countdown for this card, and uh, one of the fights is Carla Esparza and Weili Zhang, and uh -huh. it just it's funny how they cut together 
Asparza's championship fight with Rose to make it look not as terrible as it was. <laughs> but, I, but I think I finally understand what happened. Because Rose had talked about how she was planning to get married after that fight and uh, and was hoping like maybe she wouldn't come out looking like a, I don't know, a beat up fruit. Um, Carla Esparza got married, I think, 10 days after that fight. So maybe that's what happened. Maybe they both didn't want to look terrible and have black eyes and broken noses at their wedding. So in all their pictures. Yeah. So hopefully yeah. that that's the reason and hopefully they're not neither of them is gonna be getting married again in the future and we'll get good fights out of them. Because up till then, then I may- think they've both been they've both been pretty exciting. Then maybe the EFC needs to put in the contracts for women fighters that they can't be getting married anytime within thirty days before or after. <laughs> Yeah, long enough for the uh, superficial. So, yeah, yeah. So they can actually fight because that yeah. was one of the worst fights I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, yeah. That I, was I literally that made that made um, the Black Beast and who's the heavyweight champ? I can't think of his name it. right now. Yeah, and Ganu. That made yeah. that fight look like a barn burning. No, I went back and watched it. <laughs> it wasn't as bad. As it was. <laughs> Man, those two guys are both like, if one of us hits the other one, it's over. So I got to stay back. <laughs> I, I so, watched a video that was supposedly the worst fight in uh, MMA history. It was a week ago. It was these two people I'd never heard of. I, I guess they're both YouTubers. And uh, one of them was doing the Stockton slap, like kind of punching and backhanding. It, it just looked ridiculous. And as terrible as a fight it was as it was supposed to be, it was still more entertaining than Esparza and Namajunas. <laughs> wow! And he, he, he didn't finish. The guy caught the other guy with a teep kick, and and the and the guy quit. <laughs> wow! All right, I'm going to. Hopefully, we can. Hopefully, you can see this this time. Okay. Can you see that? I can see it, and it's big. It looks great. Awesome. Okay. This, so this is the early prelim. You can see it's highlighted up there. Um, I, I flipped through some of these fights, and they're like, okay, some of these look like they might have potential. But this is the only fight on the early prelims that really I find interesting because I like Karolina Kovalkiewicz. I've always been a big fan of her, too. So I find it interesting um, that these two are fighting. And did, maybe this is a typo. It's got to be a typo. How do you have negative 115 for Carolina and negative 105 for Sylvana? How can you both be a negative number? How does that happen? The, uh, the odds makers have to make money somehow. So if you want to win $100 <laughs> on Kovalkiewicz, you got to put in a 115 and... For Juarez, you got to put in 105 to win your 100. That's crazy. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen that. Does uh, Juarez? Does she pop out to you? Because the the name doesn't stand out to me. Is she? Uh... I've seen her fight before. I don't remember who it was. Um, let me. Well, shoot. This is. Let me see here. Sylvana. There we go. 
I'm trying to remember who I saw her fight. Uh, it was a, well, not, I don't want to say it was a win. I don't remember, but I saw her fight one of these people. I just don't remember who it was. It was a good fight. And I remember them talking her up, but I mean, she's got, she's lost two of her last three. Yeah. So she's, yeah, she lost her first two fights in the UFC. Okay. Both of them by armbar. Hmm. I imagine she's a striker. Just looking at that record, two losses. Uh, let's by let's go up. They usually knockout. Yeah, doesn't doesn't really say what her style is there. Um, but it might be here. No, sometimes I'll put it here, but I don't see it. I mean, neither one of them really have stellar records. 14 and 7 for Carolina and 7 and 4 for Silvana. So it'll be interesting. And they're almost identical in all of their numbers. A half pound difference, same reach. Leg reach is only an inch difference. So it'll be interesting. Oh, you know what? Kinda, what's that? Kovalkiewicz in her last fight was against Felice Herrig, and I think that's the fight where Felice hung up the gloves, decided to retire. Okay. There we go. We'll collapse that back down. I know Matt Frivola, but I don't, I don't remember seeing any any of his fights. But the guy he's fighting from Morocco is 13-0, and 0, but it looks like he might have missed weight at 175. Oh, yeah. I did, see, I did see that two fighters have uh, were overweight, but I didn't look to see who they were. Oh, this might be backtracking a little bit, but did you watch the fight last weekend with uh, Rodriguez and Lemos? No. Okay. I'm a fan of Rodriguez, and she was on a streak, and it looked like she was probably next in line for a, a title shot, and then she lost that fight. I was pretty disappointed. Well, I didn't see the card, I th and I didn't see that whole fight. I saw, I want to say, well, maybe I did see all of that fight. and That, to me, was a lackluster fight. Yeah. Yeah, it, Rodriguez didn't look as good as she's looked in the past, and uh, but what I would say is Lemos looked good, her power looked good to be able to okay. somebody when he when she now caught the, her, knocked her out. That the, was pretty. Good. Maybe I didn't see it then. Maybe I saw a different fight. Maybe I'm thinking of because I don't remember somebody getting knocked out. So okay. Um. Now, the prelims, Andre Petrosky, Wellington Terman, I'm not really familiar with either one of them. So, but Petrosky is, I don't want to say a considerable favorite, but at negative 205 and plus 175, that's a, that's a clear-cut favorite there. Yeah, his name rings a bell, but off the top of the, my head, he's one of those guys that I never remember who he is. Right. Um, unranked guy, so who knows? Maybe if he 
wins in impressive fashion, maybe he'll he'll move up. Now, Aaron Blanchfield, I, I don't know that I've seen her fight. <laughs> I reckon, she's ranked number 12. Yeah, that's funny. I recognize her face. Uh, I know I, Molly McCann. Yeah, I'm a big fan of her. That's that's exciting. But look at the odds, man. Minus 380 for Aaron Blanchfield. Whoa. That's a big favorite. Yeah. Against Molly McCann? Jeez. Yeah. Maybe she has some background we're not familiar with. Maybe so. I'm wondering if part of it is, it looks like, Blanche, well, Blanchefield is 135. So did she miss weight or are they, because they're showing Molly at 125 and a half. Yeah, geez. So I wonder if she missed weight. She's nine and one. She's beat so, some some good people. Her last oh, fight, you have her Aldrick, and uh, she beat Miranda Maverick, who's pretty good. Okay. Those fights are all at one twenty-five, though, so she must have. Oh yeah, she must have missed weight. Yeah. Interesting. That's a pretty big miss too for <laughs> for that weight. Yeah. Now this, I think, is the most intriguing fight on the prelims right here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Reyes and Span. This should be a good fight. I, I just want to know which Dominic Reyes is going to show up. Sure. Yeah, but I mean, all his losses recently have been against champions, right? Or former champions. I feel like. Let me... Check it out. I'll give you 20 more minutes and I'll play with you, all right? Give me a big hug. I super duper big. I don't mean super duper big. Okay, don't forget about it. You got to show me when I'm done, all right? Yeah, actually, he's on a three-fight losing streak to John Jones, Jan Blahovich, and ah. Yuri Prohaska. Ah. Okay. Totally. So, I mean, there's no shame in any of those losses. Exactly. The, the funny thing is, his loss to the GOAT was by decision, and he got knocked out by the other two. <laughs> yeah, those are... I, yeah, that, that decision was... Um, that was a very competitive fight. Exactly, yeah. I remember people thinking that maybe he had... Maybe he'd done enough to win it, so. Right. But I, I feel like a lot of John Jones's fights towards the end at 205 were kind of like that. He had a couple where he dominated, like, uh, against Gustafsson. He dominated that one. And there might have been one other one where he was dominant, but the other ones were kind of like that, just five-round wars where... If either one of them had won. Oh, Anthony Smith, he dominated him. Hey. Right. Yeah. Tiago Santos, uh, Santos, that was a split decision. Yeah, and he blew out his... That's the feet. one I was thinking of. Okay. Yeah, Tiago Santos. And then Tiago Santos went on to lose that kind of boring fight against uh, Rachik recently. 
Yeah, I mean, he's lost, holy cow, five out of six fights. Oh, wow, look at that. Yeah. Crazy. Hey, babe, you got to give me a ring. Go upstairs, okay? Yeah, so right. I think that'll be an interesting fight with Reyes and Span. Who do you think comes out on top on that one? Um, I think Span has a chance to win that. Okay. And I say that because I don't know which, again, I don't know which Dominic Reyes is going to show up. Yeah, it's also been a while, I feel like, since we saw Dominic Reyes, so... Who knows? Maybe maybe he's made some big improvements over that time when you consider he was already in a pretty good spot, at least before those three losses. Right. So he beat Kudalaba by guillotine, lost by rear naked Anthony Smith, beat Serkinov by TKO. Uh, and he's been fairly active, has Span. So that's a that's a plus. Yeah. So that's an I, I didn't know that was on the card tomorrow. Yeah, when I I didn't either. When I was looking over the card earlier, I was like, oh, this is going to be very interesting. Yeah. Um. He's actually got a little bit of a. Oh. Looks like Reyes is overweight. Two fifteen. Wow. That can't be good. No. Span was at 206, so he was on point. Huh. The Span's got an inch height, and he's got two inches in reach, both arm and leg. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, I remember a, I think... couple, a couple of years ago, there was a span of time where I think like 11 people had missed weight, and 10 out of the 11 people who missed weight won the fight. But then recently, with a lot of the missed weights, it hasn't been that way. It seems like a lot of the people who missed weight have been the ones who are, have lost their fights. Yeah, I would much rather be the other way around because I feel like I always wonder, did they miss weight because they just couldn't cut? There was something going on, you know, who knows what, an injury or something happened. They weren't able to cut weight like they normally would. Or are they like, you know what, the other person's a little bigger. I'm not. I'm going to go ahead and intentionally miss weight, lose a little <laughs> bit of my purse, but win the fight. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know. It's it's a lot of their purse, right? It's thirty percent. I, I thought it was twenty. Oh, okay. All right. So it's still a you know that's a decent amount, but at the same time, what hurts your career more? Losing 20% of a purse or losing a fight? Definitely losing a fight because the way their pay structure is, they get double if they win a fight, right? So yeah. that's a lot more than 20%. Absolutely. Brad Riddell is fighting somebody I'm not really familiar with, Renato Moicano. Uh, yeah, Renato Meccano a few years ago was a big up-and-comer, but I feel like he's lost a couple fights. And Riddell, I think, is in the same camp as uh, as Adesanya. 
Um, and he was one of those guys that looked like he was coming up and and maybe making a run for the title. But then I feel like he lost his last fight. I might yeah, be he wrong. did lose his last fight. They both they're both coming off of a loss. So I've kind of felt like I thought Brad Riddell had more fights, but it, he's ten and three. But I kind of feel like he hasn't done anything in a while. Yeah. Yeah, he looked pretty good in a couple fights, and then uh, disappointed. Yeah, one of the recent ones. Absolutely. And then you get to the actual main card. Now, I find the main card very interesting. Dan Hooker's coming off a loss, but I think Dan is a, a good fighter. He's an active fighter, so that'll be interesting. You know what I'm interested? I wonder if they've let him back in Australia. Because <laughs> when they had oh, all the lockdown yeah. rules, he had to move to another country because he had picked up an extra fight and stayed beyond like the period that you're allowed to be out of the country, and he couldn't go back for like two and a half years or something like that. That's so, right. I forgot about that. I hope they let him back in. <laughs> now, he's fighting a guy from Peru, Claudio Puelas. But look, again, they're showing Hooker at 171 and Puelas at 155 and a half. Wow, that's crazy. It is crazy. So I don't know what the deal is here. <laughs> I didn't watch the weigh-in show. Maybe I should have, but I'm wondering now who was actually, uh, who missed weight. Uh, you know oh, here's some good news for Dan Hooker. One of the headlines I'm looking at here is that uh, he got, he got to do 100% of his fight camp with City Kickboxing this go-around. So he definitely looks better when he's with his normal team versus whatever kind of put-together team he can get when he was out of the country. Okay. Out of Australia or out of New Zealand. And Frankie Edgar's fighting Chris Gutierrez. Yeah. Gutierrez is a pretty... He's a minus 205 favorite, so he's a... Clear-cut favorite. Have you heard anything about this being Frankie's last fight? No, I hadn't heard anything about that. I remember his last fight. Somebody asked him about that, and he he seemed to say that he had a lot. He has a lot of fights left in him. But I thought I want to say I was listening to something a while back, and rumor was that this could be his last fight. But I I don't know. I'm not. There's nothing solid there. Okay. Now. This is a fight that could be its own headliner on like a UFC fight night or something like that. But Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler. Yeah, and if it's only three rounds, that's kind of crazy. Because I would have loved to see that be a headliner five-round fight. Um, yeah, I think it would be a good five-round fight. But at the same time, I sometimes I feel like the three-rounders make them push the pace a little bit more. Yes. So I'm hoping that that's what happens. It looks like Dustin's a negative 175 favorite. Uh, Chandler's a plus 150, so it's not a huge favorite. Yeah. Uh, I would say I, I'd even feel like Poirier is, should be even more of a favorite than that. Because um, it... 
the Chandler Gaethje fight was a great fight, but I feel like Gaethje was clearly in control most of the time, except maybe one or two times that he caught a punch and and was hurt a little bit. But that happens in every Gaethje fight, right? He always gets punched and <laughs> looks wobbly, yeah. and then yep. knocks somebody out. Um, whereas Poirier, when he fought, I know you, I know this MMA math doesn't work, but when Poirier <laughs> fought uh, Gaethje, I, I just rewatched that fight the other day. And man, that was an exciting fight. But uh, in my mind, I just see Poirier dominating Chandler. Okay. But I like on the feet. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it stays standing, and Poirier just puts a crazy pace on him, especially for three rounds. Although Chandler is in amazing shape, so I have no doubt. Yeah. Three rounds. But if you remember in the Gaethje fight. Um, there's something we used to do locker boxing back in uh, in high school. We'd put on our lacrosse gloves and helmets and punch each other. And there's something about getting punched that just like drains your your cardio like nothing else. Your your legs are all tired afterwards, and not just get, taking a punch, but throwing punches too. It, it's so tiring. Um, so like when Chandler and Gaethje fought, they both. It was a great fight, but they both looked completely taxed at several points. And uh, with Poirier and Chandler, I think Chandler is going to be eating a lot of shots. And the more tired he gets, and Poirier can go a long time. Like, if you remember the fight with Dan Hooker, Dan Hooker kind of beat him up, I think, the first two rounds. And then Poirier just kept laying it on him. And I think that's what you'll see against Chandler. Um that's another reason I'd like to see it in five five rounds instead of three. I feel like Gagey's nickname should be the Hurricane. Yeah. Because he's just, I mean, his arms are just constantly swinging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, or whether it's his arms or his legs. I mean, he's just constantly arcing something like a big hurricane. Yeah, just wings him. And I feel like that's another reason I'd like to see him in Makachev because... Gaethje, man, if he lands anything on anybody, he can put him out. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's the only way Makachev is lost. I, he got knocked out by somebody. I forget who it was, but if somebody else can knock you out, Justin Gaethje can definitely knock you out. <laughs> well, and Khabib said something too. Didn't he say something like he's never been hit that hard before? Yeah, when he fought Gaethje. Yeah, he said the hardest he's ever been hit was by Gaethje. He said it was like getting hit by a truck and uh, I think I rewatched that fight a couple weeks ago and you can see like every time he kicked Khabib in the legs Khabib was like I can't let this keep going on I gotta take him down well and that's what I was gonna say with Makachev man Gagey's leg kicks holy cow yeah those things are nasty yeah and he he doesn't get them caught like they're because they're those low calf kicks. They're not up where a wrestler is going to snatch your leg real quick and get a takedown. Um, right. At least hopefully, because I'd be super disappointed if they went in and like in the first minute he got Gaethje to the ground and and it was over. I want I want to see more of a war. <laughs> All right, moving on. Here we go. Carla Esparza and Zhang Wiley. And how how do you feel about that? Who do you think takes that? In my mind, I think I, the, 
I think the belt goes back to China. I think so too. I think. I think. Shh, go ahead. I think Wei Li and Nama Yunes are kind of in a league of their own in that division, and I, the fight with Esparza where Nama Yunes lost, I think, was a fluke, and I don't know what any of the reasons were behind how it went that badly, but I think Wei Li and Nama Yunes are levels beyond people, the same way Khabib was levels beyond other people in his division. Um, I don't think the other the other girls have anything for Whaley or or Namahunas. Yeah, I agree. If Rose's head's in the game, I think she's right there at the top. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I think Whaley has the advantage. I even though Carla's a wrestler, mm-hmm. I feel like Whaley's ground game is very good, and I think she definitely has the advantage on the feet, and she is not worried about wedding pictures in a week yeah. from now she's gonna she's gonna be wailing the hell out of carla yeah and she always pushes a hard active pace like in your face yeah, she does like, kind of like the diaz style where they never like give you a break to reset she's always attacking um so that's something i definitely appreciate in her fighting style so so do you think she pulls a diaz and boxes her ears <laughs> <laughs> i i can see you doing anything she seems like a wild person yeah she's been training at that famous uh muay thai place in uh thailand uh the name joe rogan always talks about it as being like the top place so Mm, i had no idea special out of her so let's do a quick check of the stats and then we'll scroll to the main event uh 5-1-5 no, there's no way. Okay, there's no way that... I know that the title fights are on, so that means these numbers on this page are probably not accurate. Okay. Because it's showing Carla at 125, so... Yeah, I don't even remember that's... seeing her fight at 125. No. I mean, she probably walks around 130, 135, I'm guessing, but... Sure, yeah. Um. I know that the title fights made weight, so that's not not an issue. But okay. I mean, they other than height, there you know, um, Lee has three inches in height advantage, but everything else is pretty much equal. You know, I do. Uh, other than Esparza's last fight, I did like her. I liked the the changes she had made and kind of like working her way back, starting from scratch on her styles and fixing all her problems. So hopefully this will be a good fight and she'll show some of that. Even if she win or lose, hopefully she gets to show some of those skills. Right. I find it interesting. There's no odds. Nothing. (laughs) That's weird. It is very weird. And then for the main event, Israel and Alex Pereira. All right, who you got? Oh, man, it's hard. You know, when Pereira was fighting uh, his last fight, I thought the other guy was going to give him a hard time. Um, but he's he's got power that can knock anybody out. And uh, But, I mean, Izzy's also fought a lot of guys like that that have, like, great power, but for some reason you didn't see any of it. Like, uh, Cannoneer is obviously a big, strong, powerful guy, and you didn't get to see any of that. And I wonder if it's 
we've talked about this before. Sometimes when people fight the champion, they, for whatever reason, they change what they've been doing. They fight a different style. It used to be a, a big problem when people would fight John Jones. They'd go in and they'd look nothing like what they, how how they approached different fights or previous fights. Um, so I'm a little worried that that could happen. But then the other thing is, I don't think he has any other skills other than kickboxing. So right, well. I was gonna I was gonna talk about that in a minute, um, but I feel like Izzy kind of neutralized Cannoneer's power by he just stayed away. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't he the most exciting thing to watch. No, it was not. And so he avoided Cannoneer's power because if there's one guy in that division other than Pedro, just with power, I mean, that could beat Izzy, I feel like it is Cannoneer. But okay. Izzy did a good job of avoiding all of that. Didn't really get clinched up because I feel like Cannoneer definitely has the strength advantage. He's got power, but Izzy didn't get caught up in any of that and was able to win the fight. You know, it, it was lackluster, but it was still, it was a win, and he didn't feel Cannoneer's power. Yeah. Yeah, and he talked about something after the fight that... Uh some of the traps he was trying to set up just weren't working for some reason. Like, Cannoneer was fighting a little bit differently than he expected, than Israel expected him to fight, so his setups weren't working the way he wanted um, to try to get a finish. Um, but I'm really curious to see if Izzy... I think he's going to go in there and try to beat him at kickboxing because he wants to prove that, but I think he'd also have a huge advantage in wrestling because Izzy seems like a decent wrestler, at least from a defensive perspective. I don't know any reason he wouldn't be just as good off. Well, not as good, but like offensively be much better than Pereira is defensively. All right. Now I want to, I, I think that I have not seen the two, kickboxing fights between these two but i did watch something where all they did was break down the two fights and apparently what i watched was they felt that izzy got robbed in the first one yes I, so I and then they were saying that izzy was winning the second fight again until Pereira hit him with a perfect right hook that just laid him out Exactly. But that Izzy was hitting him with eight and nine punch combinations. And actually, I think they said sat Pereira down at one point. Okay. Yeah, I, I watched part of that fight. Um, and it did. It looked like Izzy I'm was sorry. Coming. Didn't knock him down, but he had a standing eight count. That's what it was. It was a standing oh, okay. eight count. So now here's the part, though that I maybe Izzy should keep it standing because apparently the ring is bigger than the kickboxing ring. The octagon is. Okay. Now, Pereira was at one point when he posted that picture, uh, 226 or 227. He's huge. <laughs> He's bigger than the light heavyweights. So... And it, Izzy did not do well wrestling 
a light heavyweight at all. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a good plan because did you hear who Pareda has been training with this whole time in preparation for this fight? Oh, Glover, right? Glover Teixeira? Yeah, Teixeira. Yeah, Glover Teixeira. Yeah. And I think they've been training for a while, which uh, I knew yeah. before, but I forgot. Um, and obviously, that's a very talented guy. So Yeah. So I, And I'm not saying that that's going to make Pareda a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. But what I am saying is, if there's someone who can get someone at least to where Izzy can't hold him down, Izzy can't, you know, get an advantage on the ground, it's going to be Glover. Yeah. So I could see where with his size, I think maybe Izzy still with the speed and since he was winning the other two fights, maybe maybe that is the deal. Maybe neutralize his size with, with the speed and quickness. And they both only have four ounce gloves, so it doesn't matter who touches who, you're gonna get <laughs> it's gonna hurt. Yeah. Um but still maybe that's maybe that is actually the way to go. You know, one thing that I didn't see in the countdown or mentioned anywhere, and I, I didn't think to look it up, is I don't know if Pereira's ever been hurt in a fight. Um, uh, like, knocked down. You mentioned there was that standing eight count. Um, but I don't know anything about his chin. I wonder if he can take a shot, and if he can, then it seems like it would be a tough night for Adesanya. Because uh, all... Right. Because Pereira just has to land that one time and can put anybody out. Yeah, I mean, just size alone. I mean, they already know that he has one-punch knockout power because he put Adesanya to sleep with one yeah. punch. Yeah. So he has more than enough power to do it. Izzy gave him a standing eight count, but that was with eight and nine punch combinations, not with one shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the power factor goes. That's why I'm saying, too, I feel like I don't think Izzy can win the ground game. I mean, I could be wrong. You know, I don't know how good Izzy's ground game is because we've never seen it. So, yeah, maybe maybe a better approach from him would be to, like, tie him up against the cage and throw short elbows and stuff like that. Because I feel like I remember John Jones used to love to do that to people. Yes. Uh, and if you're if you're fighting someone who's not experienced in that regard, they, even if they're bigger and stronger, they don't use their leverage correctly and they use more energy than they need to be using to try to escape. So maybe that'll be Israel's approach. But, Just tie him up a couple times and then when he feels like he's got a lot more energy than Pereira, maybe then start attacking him on the feet. I would just be very cautious um, of Pereira reversing it on the cage oh yeah you know because I, I i don't know if izzy has the frame to match the frame of Pereira. that's where i i guess i'm going with it just frame versus frame even though they're the basically the same height man Pereira, when you saw him up standing beside uh i forget if it was blahovich or prohaska he looked way bigger. Yeah. So I, that's where I, I think he loses the physicality if they're 
grinding against the cage or, you know, he, he's just so much of a bigger person. That's where I think Izzy's speed and elusiveness might in, in a bigger cage mm-hmm. might be the way to do it. Yeah. And if, if, if I was going to guess, that makes a lot of sense. I, I feel like that's probably the, the approach he would take. Because he also, I'm sure he feels like he wants to get those two losses back where he felt he won the first one and was winning the second one until he got caught with that punch. Right. I mean, and Izzy actually has a one-inch reach advantage. That's not much. I mean, that's that's insignificant, but it's still an advantage. Yeah. So yeah. I, I definitely think... I don't think this is at the height of... Or the same level as of a Makachev Oliveira fight, but this is still a big fight. They're going to make a lot of money off of this card. Yeah, yeah, it's a big one that I'm excited for. One of the more exciting ones. Yes, absolutely. What? If if he doesn't knock him out though, if Pereira does not knock him out, I think he loses the fight. Because Israel Adesanya, for all the criticism he has, if you remember that Kevin Gastelum fight, like he went into deep waters. He he was hurt a couple times, and he had he showed a lot of heart in fighting hard towards the end and and getting that win. I, I feel like Kevin Gastelum was one of those guys. If you get in the ring with a man, you are in a war because that guy only knows one direction, one speed. He can take a punch. That was a heck of a fight. Yeah. So I just have two last things. Okay. Um, Paulo Costa made $1.23 million when he lost to Izzy. <laughs> That's a pretty good payday for a, for a loss. Jeez. No. And the other one is, did you hear Cain Velasquez got bail? No, but that's amazing news. He I'm is out. Up. Yeah, I am too. So, what a interesting. Crazy. That was just in the last couple of days too, I want to say, within this last week. So. Wow. Well, that's great to hear. I know we've talked about this before, and I can't remember if we talked about it on the podcast, but I just wish he'd beaten that guy to death instead of trying yeah. to go after him with a gun. Cause... Yeah, because he shot the wrong guy. Yeah. That doesn't help your case in court. <laughs> you know, I th- look, I I go back to, um, shoot, I can't think of the guy's name. We're both in the same boat coming off of work, but the guy whose son was kidnapped in the 80s, uh, they were bringing him through an airport, and he knew where the guy was coming through. And he shot him point blank in the head as he was being escorted by uh, federal marshals. Wow. Yeah, killed him right there and dropped the gun. They took him into custody. The dude got probation. Whoa. And it was it was recorded by a news crew when it all happened. So all the evidence was there. There was nothing disputable. But my my point is, had Kane beaten that guy to death. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a jury to convict him. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe maybe the situation in that 
case with the shooting you just talked about. Maybe it has something to do with um, the public not thinking he's a risk to other people. Like there was a clear premeditated yeah. motive for what he did. And unless you're going to go around doing that to his kid, then you're safe. Exactly. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Oh, so you mentioned that payout that uh, that Paula Costa made. Um, I can't remember the number, but Cannoneer had mentioned how much he made in his fight with Adesanya, and I feel like it was something really, really small, like under 90000 Really? Wow. I wonder if there's the pay-per-view buys were so much more. I don't know. All right, I'm going to real quickly roll through here. Who is... Uh, oh, well, the two heavy fights, the two guys who were heavy barely missed weight. Ryan Spann missed, missed the light heavyweight limit by 0.6 pounds. Okay. And... Michael Trezano was 1.6 over. Okay. So nothing. So all those other weights we saw were just, I don't know what they were. Okay. I, I feel like even though it, you hate to see people miss weight, whoever the doctors are that are involved now seem to do a better job of stopping people to keep them from yeah. dying, trying to make yep. weight. Um, I think maybe that's part of the reason you see more missed weight situations now is not that people are doing something different. It's just that they're getting stopped by the commissions or doctors or whoever's involved. Oh, I got you. Right. Uh, and, and for the title fight, um, Panetta weighed in at 184.6 and Adesanya 185 on the dot. Okay. Nice. So, interesting. Yeah, it's going to be a good fight. And and good thing both women, yeah, both women weighed 114.8. Okay. Game on. Yeah, should be a good one. It should be. Anything um, else you want to cover before we end this thing? Uh, I just, if we're talking about uh, fights we're excited for, are there any other big fights that you're excited for between now and the end of the year? Um... You know, I haven't looked at what the other fights are, to be honest with Oh, yes, there was one. Um, November 19th, Derek Lewis is fighting. I always love watching his fights. I can't, I can't not watch his fights. <laughs> um, and the Prohaska Glover Teixeira 2, um, December 10th. Those are the two fights that I'm looking forward to. Yes, yeah. It's funny you said it, and this is stupid, but I got little chills when you were taught when you yeah. said Prohaska and Teixeira too, because man, that was an amazing fight. And uh, Teixeira, what a fight! Yeah, Teixeira has looked awesome and would have won that fight if it hadn't ended, right? He, he was yeah. ahead of the scorecards. Man, I got to tell you too. Okay, the card with the Prohaska Teixeira too is going to be an amazing card. Okay. I, for, I forgot about this. This is the other guy that I wanted to see. So real quick, on your main card, that's your title fight. 
Then you have Jan Blahovich and Mago, Magomed Ankalaev. Wow. Going to okay. be a great fight. Yeah. <clears throat> then you have Patty Pimblett and Jared yeah. Gordon. <laughs> you got to love Patty. I love watching that dude fight. <laughs> Here's the one that's either going to be, yep, wow. too much was made of him, or the guy's going to be the next big thing, which is Darren Till and Dreykus Duplessis. Duplessis. Okay. That's going to be a big one. Now, who who were you saying uh, too much has been made of? Duplessis. Well, no, I'm not saying it, but or, Duplessis, a, a lot. He's making a, uh, a big stink coming up. Not a big stink, but he's he's making a name for himself. And he's winning some big fights, and he just keeps marching up the chain. Okay. All right. So that is going to be one of those key fights. Even if it's a close fight, people are going to be like, you watch Duplessis. He's from South Africa. So they're going to be like, you watch him. He's going to be the next big thing. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, that's exciting. I I didn't know that one was on the card. Um, Yeah. And there's still more fights. Holy cow. This is a good card. Robbie Lawler, Santiago Ponzinibbio. Yeah. That'll be a good one. And Gustafson and OSP. Wow. There's wow. some good fights on this card. Yeah, those are exciting. And Darren Till, we Heck haven't seen yeah. him in a long time, right? When's the last time he fought? Who's that? Um, Darren Till. I feel like it's been a long it's time. It's been a while, yeah. So over a year. He lost to Derek Brunson in September. Okay. September 2021. Yeah, and they're and they're fighting at middleweight, so it'll be. Oh wow! So, so Duplessis is one of those guys who's coming up the ranks in the middleweight division. So it'll be. I, I'm excited to see that fight. Yeah, I don't know anything about him. Is he? Uh, is he a striker? Uh, sorry, striker, grappler. Yeah, he's more of a striker. Let me click on him here. Um, and actually, here, let me real quick. Hope I'm not holding you up here. Oh no. Let me add this. While you're getting that up, Bryce Mitchell versus Ilya Tapuria. That that should be a good one too. All right. There we go. So that's who he is. Okay. He's seventeen and two. Um, he beat Brad Tavares. Uh, that was a good fight. That was just in July. Okay. But where, I want to say, yeah, KO before that, KO before that, submission, KO before that. So four out of the last five, he's finished. Or he's been finished. Okay. So, I mean, holy cow. That's literally... His fight with Brad Tavares is the only decision in his 19 fights. Wow. I mean, that could so, be bad news for Till. Till's, Till's chin hasn't yeah. split up recently against and, and Yeah, and Till's a big welterweight, but he's not a big middleweight. Yeah. Yeah. So, also, I'm excited to see him because he's been training with uh, Chimaev for the past year or so, or since whatever they became good friends. So it'll be interesting to see he's added to his game. Interesting. Okay. 
So that's going to be a big card. Let me go. Uh, let me go here. Oh, wait, that's not going to be what I'm looking for. Yeah, let me go back real quick. I don't know who else is on the Lewis, Derek Lewis card. But, man, I can always watch that guy fight. <laughs> He's one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, that card, to me, is not looking very exciting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'll be, a, it'll, it'll be a free fight, so I'll watch it. But that might be the only reason I watch it. Other than Derek Lewis. Uh, there's another card they're working on the week after the uh, Prohaska and Teixeira fight. And the headliner is uh, Cannoneer and Sean Strickland. So that seems like a pretty fun one to watch. Yeah. Walk. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure yet. I saw that card and... I'm still not sure. I expect Cannoneer to take it. So Really? Okay. Yeah, I do. And on the I really don't know anybody on the on the undercard. Okay. So I that makes me wonder where they're fighting because it makes me feel like oh no, it's in Vegas. Okay. But it seems like there's a lot of foreign fighters on the card, so I almost felt like it was one of those cards outside of the United States. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I don't oh. know. Alex Caceres is on there. Oh, wow. All right. It's funny. When you watch those uh, Ultimate Fighting, the Ultimate Fighter, you never know who's going to come out from those and like have a long career in the UFC and... I don't think I thought Alex Carreras was going to be one of the guys from that season to have so many fights and also do do all right, like beat some pretty good people too. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, I don't I don't think he's ever broached that top ten, you know? Oh, no, yeah, definitely not. His fights are exciting, which is why I think that's how he stays in the UFC. Yeah. Because he's 19 and 13. That's not a stellar <laughs> record. Yeah, uh, and Bruce Leroy, you gotta love the name. <laughs> so I'm trying to see how long he's been fighting in the UFC. Quite a while. Mm -hmm. Holy cow! There we go. He started in 2011, so 11 years. Wow. But look at that. He's lost the first three, three of his first four fights. Wow. Oop. And I guess he had a no decision, a no contest in 2013 because he failed the drug test. Oh, interesting. Yeah. He lost to Uriah Faber by submission, then a decision to somebody, and then lost to Francisco Rivera by KO. So, yeah, but, I mean, again, his fights are exciting, so I don't mind watching him fight because yeah. they're exciting fights. He's just Faber. never really been able to build anything. Yep. You know what? I'm I'm excited for Adesanya and Pereira, but I gotta say, I think Prohaska and Teixeira is, between now and the end of the year, maybe the one I'm most excited about. And that card is amazing. 
Yeah, I think that card is probably one of the best cards of the year. That number one, their first fight was all you know, like a fight of the year contender. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go watch it again after, after this. <laughs> yeah, and then you've got Jan Blahovich, who's the previous champ yep. against Magomed Ankalaev, who's 17 and one. That's gonna be a crazy fight. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, about Ankalaev. I can't remember who he fought last, but I remember not I being tell you. Super, super impressed. Anthony Smith. He knocked him out. Huh. Maybe I'm mixing it up with somebody else. Very easily. I do oh, it all the time. <laughs> I am. You know, it, it's another one of those names. Okay. He's not who I was I thinking. mean, all right, hold on a second. He lost by triangle choke in 2018 to Paul Craig, and he hasn't lost a fight since. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He's on a nine-fight win streak. You know what it was that I was thinking of? I was thinking of his fight with Tiago Santos. That one was two uh, Okay. That one was not not an exciting fight. Gotcha. Man. But, man, he's fought a lot of good people. Now, like, I don't care to see this Thompson-Holland card come December 3rd. Thompson. And Holland said he retired after he lost the fight to Chemayev. Yeah. That was an interesting, interesting situation. Now, Ty Tuivasa... Maybe they'll make it a co-main event. I can always watch that guy because his fights are always exciting. Yeah. Yeah, he's either knocking so, somebody out or getting knocked out. So, Yeah. Definitely entertaining. Brian, Brian Barbarina, isn't he Bam Bam? Yeah, and he's looked pretty amazing in his recent fights. So that's a And he's taken on Rafael Desanjos. Yeah. At welterweight, it looks like? Uh, yeah, welterweight. Okay. Now, what is so you know what? This actually might be a, a better card. Derek Brunson, Jack Hermanson. There you go. Okay. Eric Eric Anders, Kyle Dawkins, Nico Price is on there. Yeah. Angela Hill, Clay Guida, wow. Michael Johnson, Darren Elkins. Get out of here. There's a lot of people on this one. There's a lot of big names. Man, that's fun. That'll be yeah. Too. Yeah, I mean, just for all the undercard fights, uh, UFC on ESPN, so everybody can watch it. That's in Orlando. Wow. All right. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, should be a good one. All right, who's this Sergey Pavlovich? Let me look at him real quick. Six three two fifty five sixteen and one. Thirteen knockouts. Oh, he just beat Derek. Oh, he's the guy who just knocked out Derek Lewis. Oh, wow. Okay. I'll have to go watch that one back. Yeah, for sure. And then him and Tuivasa are going at it. Somebody's yeah. getting knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> There's not going to be any grappling going on there unless it's just to dump someone on the ground and, and waylay them. You never know ahead of time, but sometimes you look at a card and you just think, man, these are this is a lot of great fights. 
I know. That's one of the cards that looks like it could be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually I'm not the main event. I'm like, meh. Okay, whatever. I'm not super stoked about it. But there are some like that. That that fight should be the headliner. Yeah. Because that's how you want to end a fight card right there. Those two guys. Exactly. That's what everyone wants to see. Heck yeah. I would even say the DeSanjos and Barbarina fight is going to be spectacular. Yeah. Barbarina's been uh, on there. Yeah. Matt Schnell. This is a good card. Yeah. I should have clicked on it and not just gone by the headliner because I was like, <laughs> man, headliner, well, whatever. This is actually a good fight card. Man, it's exciting. Of- yeah, a lot left to look forward to this year. Clay Guida's got 59 professional fights. Holy cow. <laughs> DeSanjos has got 45. Man, this is like this is like old man card right here. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> it's amazing people even get to that point in MMA. The, like the funny thing is I watch these guys in the WEC. <laughs> before it was ever bought by the UFC. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Man. That was a good time for fighting. All right. That, that is exciting. Let me real quick, is anything coming up? Oh, Nemkov and Anderson 2 on Bellator November 18th. That's actually... That was actually a good fight the first time. That'll be an interesting fight. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Nemkov, if I remember correctly. Okay. He's the champ. Oh, no contest. That's right. Oh, it was Phil Davis I was thinking of. That he, um, that's who he took the title from. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to remember because I think Phil Davis took the title from Bader. So, and then I think um, Nemkov took the title. I don't remember if he, how it worked, but yeah, I don't, I don't follow. I follow Bellator, but not that closely. Yeah, I'm the same way. If I see like a fight that sounds interesting, I'll watch it. Um, But Corey Anderson has been tearing it up okay. in Bellator. Knocked out Manhoff. Oh. My phone. Well, my camera disconnected, but I'm still here. Okay. Last time I did this, it reconnected, so I'll leave it alone for a minute. So his last three fights, he knocked out Bader, he knocked out another guy, and he knocked out Melvin Manhoff. And then he had the um, clash of heads. But you can see, look right here. Can you see who the who the ref was in that fight? No. Uh, look, look, can you see my cursor? Oh, wow. Yeah, Frank Trigg. <laughs> Frank Trigg. I forgot about that. I think that's cool when fighters do stuff like that. Yeah. Man, Corey Anderson, he, he's beat a lot of good people. Look at that. He's got Glover Teixeira on his list. Johnny Walker. I remember that knockout. Yeah, I mean, 
he's he's not had a bad career. Let me s- scroll down. Um, Patrick Cummins, he lost to OSP, Jimmy Manawa, but a lot of people have lost to Jimmy Manawa. Yeah. Lost to Hua, but beat Jan the first time they fought. Okay. So he's not had a bad career. He just didn't do a lot in the UFC, but he's been, since he's been in Bellator, he was literally 3-0, and and when he fought for, I want to say the title, they had that clash of heads. I forgot about that. But I want to say he was winning. Um, let me check something real quick. Oh, no. Nemkov round one. Anderson round two. So it was even going into the third. So the third would have been the deciding factor. Okay. And Nemkov's the one who got caught. All right. So it'll be, uh, that'll be an interesting fight. Yeah. Let me go back now. Uh, yeah, their, their, their fights are few and far between, and then I'll check. Yeah, I don't see anything with Demetrius now. Real quick. There we go. Gastelum is going to headline a UFC fight night January 14th. That looks good. Okay. I mean, I'll watch him fight because he's he's an exciting fighter. Okay. Yeah, I'm above. He's looked good recently, too. Yeah. He's one of those guys that eventually, like, I'll start remembering who he is. <laughs> this is where guy. this is where I wish the UFC had a 175-pound weight class because I think that's where Gastelum fits. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, Raquel Pennington is fighting on that card. Jeff Neal. Uh, looks like they still have more fights to add. They're only at eight fights right now. Okay. Let's. I'm evolve. Oh, that's right. He just beat Joaquin Buckley. Mm-hmm. And he looks good doing it. Dominant. Yeah. It's only been in the UFC for two years. One, two, three, four. He's four and one, so not bad. His loss was a decision, so. Yeah, that card looks okay. They need to add some more fights, obviously. Yeah. Sometimes, though, you go, you watch one of the fight nights, you don't know anybody in any of the fights, and it's all finishes, right? Right. Oh. Wow. 284. That's the one they're talking about, Volkanovsky and um, Makachev. Man, that would be big. That would be huge. That would be. It would end up bumping this from being the main event. Yeah. I hope they would still give this one five, though. Oh, yeah. It better be a co-main event. So who is going to be, you got to have, 
wow, I don't know these guys. Wow. UFC Fight Night. I'm trying to see if I even recognize any names. Not yet, but there's only four. Devin Clark, I feel like I know the name, but I'm surprised they don't have the uh, Korean zombie. He's got to be on this card. You can't I have a fight know. in Seoul. <laughs> You'd think so, but I, I think he might be done. After that loss to Volkanovski and how one-sided it was, it didn't and obviously he was talking right after the fight, but it sounded like he wasn't really interested in getting back in there. Okay. You know what, though? What better way to finish your career but hey. in your home country fighting for the UFC? And, you know, don't make it, you know, against somebody crazy. Just someone equal and get in there and bang and lay your gloves down at the end. Yeah, yeah, man. There was a guy who used to fight out of the same camp that – uh John Jones was in, and he had a he had a war with the Korean zombie. It was actually here in uh, here in Northern Virginia. Um, oh, and man, that that would be a great fight to see again. Yeah. Now this is Rio de Janeiro, January twenty one, Davison Ficajedo and Brandon Marino. That would be a good one. Yeah. Oh, Johnny Walker and Paul Craig, Jessica Andrade and Lauren Murphy. Oh, Shogun. Brad Tavares. Yeah, Very interesting. In yeah, some some pretty decent fights. I mean, there's there's only ten. They usually do what, like fifteen or sixteen fights. Yeah, so, I feel like Figueroa and. Moreno are just going to keep fighting each other. They might end up fighting each other like 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what their head to head is. Oh my gosh. Draw, loss, win for Figueiredo. <laughs> wow. So they're each 1-1-1. One, one, and one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and all the fights have been super competitive, so. Uh, yeah. And you know, the thing I really liked was the last time they were in the ring face to face, there was none of that nastiness. They were both respectful and they're both ready to fight. I'm like, all right, I can, I can deal with that. I like that. Yeah. That'll be another good one. Yeah, that would be a good one. So it'll be interesting to see what they come up with for additional fights. And that looks to be about it. All right. Well, thanks. It was great Ooh. chatting with you. Yeah, good chatting with you. We'll have to do this again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Around we got to get Lane back in here. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right. All right. See you. We'll see you guys on the next one.